This is Father Jared Kramer from St. John's Episcopal Church in Grand Haven, Michigan, here with today's edition of Christian Mythbusters, a regular segment I offer to counter some common misconceptions about the Christian faith. The confirmation hearings for Judge Amy Coney Barrett to a position on the Supreme Court are underway. Given that her confirmation would tilt the majority even stronger in favor of conservatives 6-3, to three, and that she would be replacing the seat vacated by the great Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, tensions are high and political arguments intense. A good portion of the hearings have surrounded the concern that a Justice Barrett would provide sufficient votes to overturn Roe v. Wade, returning the question of the legality of abortion to one that individual states would consider. On the right, this goal has been decades in the making, and many are ecstatic that a possibility seems nigh. On the left, the loss of Roe v. Wade would undermine protections the Supreme Court enacted around the health care of women and their right to make their own decisions when faced with the agonizing realities surrounding abortion. All of which provides me with an opportunity to at least try today to break the myth around Christianity and abortion. I'm always surprised how quickly Christians seem to be able to trot out a handful of verses as supposed proof of the so-called pro-life stance. Never mind that most of those verses simply speak to some form of reality before birth, never equating it in value with a living, breathing human. But many of those verses also come from what Christians often call the Old Testament, also known as the Hebrew Bible. And when I'm faced with a difficult question in the interpretation of the Hebrew Bible, I always find it helpful to turn to our Jewish siblings, who've been wrestling with these sacred scriptures, in Hebrew nonetheless, for a good thousand years longer than Christians have. In Exodus 21, if a woman is hurt in a fight and gives birth prematurely or she miscarries, there's a penalty upon the one who causes the miscarriage, but it's not the same penalty as murder. Rabbinic law has long allowed abortion when it would save the life of the mother. Rashi and others suggest that the moment when some form of human reality begins is not at conception, but is not until the 40th day of pregnancy when the fetus moves from water to a living being, but... Even then, it is not yet the same thing as a human. The Talmud is one of the definitive sources for interpreting the Hebrew Bible, and it states that the act of birth is what changes a fetus from non-person to person. This is partially based upon Genesis, when the drawing in of breath by Adam is what made him human. However, other Talmudic sources and commentators insist that it is when any part of the fetus has left the birth canal. Both conservative and reformed Judaism allow for abortion if the woman would suffer severe physical or psychological harm. Reformed Judaism, in particular, insists that the difficulties involved in these questions means that the decision should be made by the woman within whose body the fetus is growing, in conversation with her doctor and faith community. All of this is why more than three-quarter of Jews in America identify as pro-choice. All of this to say... The question of abortion is a morally difficult one, but it is not the same as murder. And the difficulties involved, the the weighing of health concerns alongside of other realities, means that this agonizing decision should not be made for you by the government. It should be made by the woman in conversation with her doctor and her community. This has actually been the stance of my own Episcopal Church for quite some time now, insisting that while abortion always carries with it a tragic dimension— that the complexities involved means it should be a decision made by the woman herself and not by her government.
insisting that abortion always has a tragic dimension, but that the decisions surrounding it should be made by the woman and not by the government. Furthermore, let's be clear, outlawing abortion won't actually end abortion. It will just make it more dangerous for the poor while keeping it available to the wealthy who will travel to states where it is allowed. Don't get me wrong, as a Christian, I believe that there should be less abortion, that anything we can do to lower the amount of abortions, we should do. But ironically enough, what has been shown to decrease abortion is not outlawing it. Rather, it's been policies of the Democratic Party, widespread access to health care and contraception, increased educational choices and assistance to those in poverty. So, yes, West Michigan, you can be a faithful Christian and still have a nuanced view on this question, despite what Washington might tell you. Thanks for being with me. To find out more about my parish, you can go to sjegh.com. Until next time, remember, protest like Jesus, love recklessly, and live your faith out in a community that accepts you but also challenges you to be better tomorrow than you are today.